I'm like you. I have no regrets about Only God Forgives. I think it's a masterpiece, and it is. I just didn't make it very expensive. Is there a doctor in the house? We, we need to get a medic in here. Is there, is there a doctor around? <laughs> I just didn't make you, it. If you I, think I that's a masterpiece, what is Citizen Kane? It's great. But it's very, it was an inexpensive movie, so financially... Who gives a shit? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to today's podcast. We haven't indulged in any chatter for the recording. I think we did everything, hopefully before, because we are covering a substantially big topic. And it was yeah. planned sort of immediately because of the untimely passing of uh, director William Friedkin. So we, as fans of his films, wanted to discuss some of the films which we have watched before and which we watched now in preparation just to celebrate his work just to celebrate some of his filmmaking that's been consistently sort of influential uh, to a lot of filmmakers and directors till now he's an eclectic character he's uh <laughs> understatement he's... <laughs> yes uh, that's he's an understatement he's, he's a, a character, character. yes he's yes. a character and all the better for it i feel like i i really like uh, like yes. directors who who have a who are very brutally honest, brash, almost in the, you know, admission of whatever they like or dislike. And we have Amartya joining us just to, and only Amartya and me are here because everyone else is busy right now. And we both are, I, I'd, I'd like to say, I, uh, we'll discuss our introductions to Friedkin, but what we will be covering, of course, is not his entire filmography because it's pretty extensive. Uh, we've selected a few of his films. So the Exorcist, just to mention it very very much yes. from the outset, we are not covering in this episode because Halloween is arriving and we are we have decided to cover it extensively then. So just a big caveat on that. We are both yes. fans of the existence. We are not missing, we are not missing it. We don't hate it. We like oh, it yeah. I like yeah. it a lot. Yeah, I love it. So it. it's one yeah, of my I'm favorite. Just sort of it <laughs> yes, yes. So we are not like ignoring it, just to put it as a big caveat. But we will be discussing two of his 70s works. Uh, which are very influential, I feel, and like I have sort of endured a lot throughout the years. Uh, one of them is The French Connection from 1971. The other one is Sorcerer, Sorcerer. which is uh, 1977. Right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, then we will briefly do to detour into the 80s to Live and Die in LA, which we have interesting opinions upon. Uh, yes. And then we will go to his late era works, which is 2000s, and cover two of his films, which he made in collaboration with Tracy Letts, the writer and actor, actor. the playwright and actor, sorry. And uh, these are Bug, which is a 2006 film, and Kira Joe, Joe, which is 2011, which is his quote unquote final feature before his passing. So uh, mm-hmm. his new feature is. Coming, uh, premiering yes, at Venice Film Festival, Venice. right? Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's an adaptation of Kane Mutiny, I think. The Kane Mutiny yeah. court case. Kane Mutiny, yes, yes, yes. So, just to put that out as like an overview of how we're going to tackle some of his work and just talk about whatever we love about his work mostly. I think the criticisms, we there will be criticism. I don't think it'll, it's worthy of like just uh, <laughs> championing filmmakers it's always a great thing to talk about what works what doesn't work for all of us so anyways but we will start with our introductions to his films and how we sort of got to know about his work and him as a filmmaker so Amartya you can start and then I will uh, chime in yeah I think um, my introduction to Friedkin unlike most people isn't the exorcist Uh, Mm -hmm. I think uh, 
my introduction to friedkin actually came from a quentin tarantino interview uh, in which he was talking about the breach breach and the truck scene in sorcerer okay that we will elaborate and, on yeah yes that scene just the description of that scene was so interesting to me i was like i need to see it mm-hmm. so that was the first time i saw sorcerer yeah and that was my first friedkin work i was blown away by mm-hmm. that movie yeah coincidentally it is also one of my earliest reviews for high on films yes and yes i will link that in the description yes it to, was yes, yes yeah. because i loved that movie so much i realized that i had to write something on it it was mm-hmm. so well done and yeah. it's hilarious that it came out in 77 and we did not do well because of a mm. little indie movie we know as star wars <laughs> yes yes yeah. that that's going to be repeated as i mentioned when we discuss uh, sorcerer even more i think uh, yes yes but, but that yeah. was my first introduction to friedkin mm-hmm. and i think sorcerer works i think sorcerer's behind the scenes legacy itself is so yeah. so important to him mm-hmm. and i think that's the whole point of friedkin friedkin is not just famous because of his movies he's famous of mm. because of his behind the scenes activities as well yeah even in Absolutely. movies which we haven't seen in, yeah. or we know we know quite a lot about his behind the scenes antics yeah. and i am going to call them antics because those are He he himself is a very provocative filmmaker, anyway. So yeah. So it's like no, but I, I, it's interesting, right? Because I think what one of the notes I sort of made after watching all of his so some of the films I hadn't seen before, and some of them I after watching Killer Joe, one of the things I noted was he's almost at least in the seventies or eighties he was probably one of those uh, what you call like a studio auteur because he made a lot of films for the studio, but like he consistently you know pushed his vision, pushed his like. it's almost an obsession right because he was so obsessed with getting this truer like grittier version of something which uh, otherwise i think gets softened in cinema i mean 70s themselves were a time of change of course and the, the, it was films were changing and new hollywood ha- was happening but uh-huh. yes go ahead yeah i think i think uh, one of the documentaries anybody who's interested in fitkin should watch is fitkin uncut it's a it's a mm. bit of a blowhardian thing because yeah. fitkin himself is you know very much telling about his own accomplishments or what not but when he discusses yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what filmmakers do they have egos yeah. surprise yeah. but yeah. but when uh, uh, but when he's talking about the films themselves you realize like the guy was the guy was a character the guy was dangerous yeah. that that's the word i would use the guy was mm-hmm. dangerous mm-hmm. some of the things he did like shooting the chase scene of the french connection in traffic that traffic is oncoming traffic yeah by the way yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to do verite we do rate like this sort of like yes, that cinema we are doing verite <laughs> verite <laughs> but the full on verite yeah, yeah to the extent that his to the extent that uh the nypd police officer who becomes technical advisor to pitkin in the 70s mm. that guy he's like he's sitting in the car and mm. he's like i'm going to die <laughs> okay, he's wow. telling i'm going to die wow yeah so i mean it's the it's the whole uh, almost like no safety belt sort of like approach right yeah. like which is i think a lot and i think that's also one of the reasons i feel why it's admired even more now because it's so hands on so you know like not 
reliant on your CG and sort of, you know, computer. I mean, that time, of course, it wasn't there, but like, this is going to the extent of obsessiveness almost. Of, I think yeah. it's also because he, like most 70s filmmakers, hmm. he grew up making TV anthologies, right? And documentaries also, right? I think And he, documentaries, yeah. Yeah. So, TV anthologies, he did one of the final episodes of the Alfred Hitchcock uh, hour called Off Season. Mm-hmm. Have and you seen it? Then, no, I didn't get to no, see it. I, okay. I didn't get to see it. And then yeah. he saw, and then he made a documentary called The People versus uh, Crump, I think. Crump, yes. The, doc- yeah. the documentary was so influential that it actually forced the, you know, the authorities to actually review the case and finally exonerate mm. the guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that documentary style itself. That mm. interested him so that interested him so much that when he's mm. going to make feature films, I genuinely think he wanted to make a documentary mm. of the French connection anyway. But mm. I think when he finally learned the story and all of it, he was mm. like, This is an ongoing problem. Mm. I can't make a solution because I'm a filmmaker. I am not yep. a you know authority yep. figure. Yeah. So let me make a movie. Mm. But let me make a movie as realistic as possible. Yeah, and mm-hmm. also, and also, I think it's well documented that he is very much inspired by Costa Gavras's Z. Z, uh, yes. Yeah. For French it, connection, that is yes, yes, yes. Yes, because uh, Costa Gavras. Yeah, but this Costa is the first Gavras, time you watched uh, French Connection, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I watched. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, interesting. So my my introduction is, I guess, more conventional in in a sense mm. with his work. Exorcist. Uh, Exorcist, but also because I sort of got into. Mark Kermode's video reviews a lot at that time. And if anyone mentions the exorcist as much as like, he is the prime example of someone who's obsessed by a movie, right? Like, and he explains it pretty well, but I got introduced to the exorcist because of that. And I always thought that I'll definitely not like it because I've been told so much now that Mm. uh, it's this good, it's that good or whatever. Like it's so scary. Well, he never said scary. Uh, but it it is unnerving. I think that was the word that was used. But when I watched The Exorcist, I watched it alone at the night on my laptop. Uh, great print, whatever, whatever. I think I watched the theatrical cut, if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. And just the beginning happened and I was like, I don't know where. I, I was just expecting something totally else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the beginning just threw me off in the best possible way. And I just couldn't find the bearings of, you know, it was so uncertain. Egypt thing, right? Egypt. Yeah, yeah I, Egypt or is, is it Israel? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Any yeah, yeah, foreign location. With Max von Sydow. With Max von Sydow, yes, 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 yes. And I was like, I was not expecting it to be this, like, uh, like uncertain, unnerving. You don't know what is going on, sort of like that. And he has a knack for doing this a lot, actually, in, his, in most of his great films, I feel. You yeah. kind of just forget uh mm-hmm. like you feel a bit lost uh in a good sense like you it's not like the narrative is loose but it's mostly that you are sort of caught up in a ambiguous mm-hmm. uh, slightly think, uncertain situation yeah i think Cop- i think francis ford coppola explained it best in the documentary mm-hmm. thing if coppola said that if he made the exorcist he would have mm-hmm. made it like a metaphor for evil or something you know he would have mm-hmm. made it metaphorically mm-hmm. because he would like ambiguity or subtlety or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. But Billy Friedkin just shows it. Mm-hmm. He just shows yeah. evil. Mm-hmm. 
it's a, almost like in every frame right you can feel it no i don't think he shows it in the sense that like you see the devil but it's just the feeling i feel more than anything else from whatever yeah, i remember i, I yeah. think it's the juxtaposition because he's so he's so i mean he's so obsessed with realism he's so obsessed mm. with normalcy i mm-hmm. think the word i think one of my favorite words in the english language is very similitude you know mm-hmm. the feeling of Feel, mm-hmm. being real yeah i yeah. think the very similitude is so apparent in the exorcist that when the horror actually happens that impact yeah. is felt higher yeah i think it's generated almost from that very similitude right it's not like yeah. it's an imposition it's like exactly. it exists there and it's you like you have to reckon with it and it's of course linked and related to grief and you know there's a lot of yeah, things going on in the in that yeah. film yeah yeah i mean we won't discuss it extensively because we we will be covering yeah, it yeah. later but uh, but yeah i mean i that was my intro and i think whenever i've seen his films and i think after that i watched bug which was another mark comfort recommendation uh, right. and i was like uh, okay i i i like this filmmaker in the sense that yeah. again just visceral i was like so yeah. caught up in it and uh, you know felt the tension heat sweat there whatever are, your emotion called yeah there are friendships between filmmakers and critics which are very famous right mm-hmm. uh, scorsese and roger ebert yeah famously were very good friends mm-hmm. carmody and william friedkin is one such friend yeah. yeah yeah i mean they also it's, made together what you just saw which i mean yes, I, I, yeah which was, which was a mistake of the i think order. Yeah. Of the order. <laughs> yes so we will not go there we will instead go to the great 70s stuff first i think where uh, we first visit uh, the french connection i know the deal hasn't gone down i i know it hasn't i can i can feel it i'm dead certain last time you're dead certain we went for dead cop all right let's hit him hi nobody move put your hands in the air the stake out oh my sweet gee the payoff chase don't stop hey coke you all right Amartya, you watched it recently. Should I ask? Should I put you on the spot to introduce it, or should I introduce it? I mean, we can introduce it. That's not an issue. Sure. It's okay. Like... So, French Connection is nineteen seventy one. Uh, this is his calling card to Hollywood, almost right. I mean, he made films yes. before this, but this was the one that sort of shot him up to freedom. Uh, freedom. I'm saying, sorry, fame, fame, and mm-hmm. uh, fandom, or whatever. And then, of course, Exorcist happened. Uh, French Connection. was is winner of what five academy awards he won five best academy. director best picture yeah. best actor was gene hackman i think editing mm-hmm. and adapted screenplay these are the uh, five yeah. awards it won its legacy is long living especially for one of the action sequences uh, which is still absolutely sensational absolutely. yeah bone yeah. knuckle white knuckle yeah. action scene absolutely and <laughs> i think yeah and i think it's interesting to me at least uh, how the film now plays out as just this really 
direct, no almost, uh, you know, it's all about no the process. Yeah. Like no all process, all process, all process. And while that again might be a sort of limitation for some people, I think that totally serves uh, this narrative. This And it's portrayal of characters is so like, like it looks at looks them straight in the eye without like flinching. It's like yeah. it's not allowing them to it's not like pushing us to like, you know, feel for them or whatever. It's just looking yeah. them and let's like let's this sit in the, the car and fall. Yeah, this, this is, is the guy. Yeah, this yeah. is the guy. Yeah. You like him, you dislike him, I don't give a flying ear. Yeah. This yeah. Is the exactly. Yeah. And the film for anyone who's not familiar is basically a procedural about two NYC narcs who get caught up in a in uncovering a big underground drug trade whose main suppliers originate from Marseille in France. Yes. Uh, so yes, that's the sort of intro. But what all? What? So you watched it recently, Amate? What did you think of it? What? How does it play now as a procedural, as a crime film, as a seventies film? In fact, it's a very I, example of a good, good it's like. It's a very seventies. It's a very seventies yeah. film. Yeah. And by se- it's a very 70s film. And by 70s film, I mean 70s. It's shot mm. on location. Mm. It's just direct and to the point. And yeah. here's the thing about William Friedkin. Guy is very detail-oriented. Yeah. He focuses a lot on the details. He yeah. accompanied he accompanied the police officers on their narcotic raids and everything. Mm. He put handcuffs on some narcotic people. Mm. He did this. Like mm-hmm. he, he was that detail-oriented guy. Yeah. Such that, and the detail I think shines in his movies. Like when Hackman is questioning the people when they are face down on the wall, and when he's yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. Like there's all no no details. no artifice, right? It doesn't there feel no artificial artifice. at all. Yeah, yeah. Right. There is no artifice. But I think the other thing about Pitkin which really caught me is mm-hmm. how much he knows how to. Ensure that the set piece is thrilling. Yeah. Lots of lots of dolly lots of dollies. Right. Yep. Like lots of dollies and and handheld camera. A lot of handheld camera. Handheld camera. Yeah. Hand Good handheld camera, by the way. Yeah. Not like that. What's Not become shaky. the norm now? Now it's like very controlled, shaky. Like it's like yes. you can see everything, and it's like you know, uh, yes. there's no like headache when, because of the camera yeah. work. Yeah. When Hackman is running or when Hackman is chasing. Mm. There are two explicit chase scenes in the mm-hmm. French Connection. Yeah. The one is the famous one, which we will get to. The yeah. other one is the foot chase, which uh, Hackman Is does. this the beginning one or is this the one with the, the French uh, yeah, the Charnier? French... Is that the subway scene? Yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. That chase scene is fantastic because you see how, how Friedkin is recording him running. Even the running mm. is, you know, shaking. it's different, right? Urgency. Yeah, it's an urgency there. Yeah. For Charnier, it's very, you know, relaxed and yeah. relaxed. For Hackman, you can understand that there is an energy there. Yeah. It's it's very different. And so when that subway shift happens, you know, the... Yeah. One of my favorite scenes of the film. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's the uh, case yeah, yeah. scene itself, but even that scene, I think, is so bloody good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it felt very Chaplin-esque how hmm. Charnier escapes. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah and, I can get what you mean. Yeah. And uh, I realized that, uh, and I think even Friedkin said that in the documentary, that he's very inspired by Buster Keaton. Yeah. Which I'm now realizing that many action filmmakers are inspired by Buster Keaton because of what yep. he did. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. At least in mm. this movie, it makes absolutely goddamn sense what he's mm. doing. Yeah. 
No, I think that's a that's a very fair point. I I I think uh, what you mentioned about the whole movement thing is something that caught me also this time. I've this was my rewatch, and I was uh, the the way he. I mean, there's another. I don't know if it's a chase scene, but do you remember like the opener actually doesn't happen in New York where the whole film is kind of set, but it happens mm-hmm. in Marseille, right? It happens uh, in Marseille, yeah. And I almost thought we went to a Jean Pierre Melville film, and we were yeah, doing yeah. like uh, Army of Shadows, and it yeah, was basically yeah. like. someone gets tracked but it has that really cold calm you know cold dystopian calm, yeah. feel to it rather than mm-hmm. the chaos of new, uh, new york and i think that parallel follows through like throughout the film for me like this happened this time where i was like the french people minus the shooter uh, mm-hmm. who gets killed uh, shooter as oh, in yeah. the the right yeah, hand yeah, yeah. of charnia mm-hmm. right uh, yeah. minus him i feel there's just this very relaxed and very like you know we will get this done don't worry uh, the trade will go on uh, no one can touch us sort of feel no to it. And, it, it. Uh, and and then there's this volatile racist Popeye, i would say oh yeah yeah racist popeye oil uh, which we which we should bring up because yes yes i was about to say the controversy happened right the recent yeah. controversy that happened mm-hmm. on criterion channel with mm-hmm. what, the, what the f criterion and yeah. it's like they removed popeye disney doyle. owns the rights so i think they yeah, aired yeah. the disney version which and didn't didn't like tell people that yeah yeah uh, this happened yes yes yeah and yeah. it it is in the beginning of the movie it, yeah. it's it's the beginning it's just 20 10 minutes in that yeah. and yeah i can understand us having a weaker imposition weaker you know disposition nowadays because mm-hmm. these things won't fly of course mm-hmm. these things don't fly It's But never trust the N word, right? Uh, yeah, essentially, that's yeah, the part. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That considering, considering what we are saying, that you know, Kitkin is devoid of judgment of these characters. He's like, yeah. this is the guy. We yeah. are following this guy. Yeah. And considering that this is the seventies, you have to accept that. Yeah. This is the guy. Popeye Doyle Absolutely. is a racist. Popeye Doyle I... is an a-hole. We... It's a weird thing, right? Though, but like, I mean, a weird thing in the sense of the censoring, even because. you can remove that part but there's just there's so many raids that happen in brooklyn in a black neighborhood where yeah. you can see the racism it's not like uh, it's not like he's simp- like I'm, the movie hasn't cut like the people haven't cut those parts right so it's like it's an odd cut to even make just because of the word when uh, and and because i'm not saying the word is obvious it. right because the yeah, word is obvious, i suppose right? so yes yeah, yeah. i suppose so And But the whole cut, rage... and you can't cut out entire rape scenes because those are the entire point of the movie itself. Exactly. It's yeah. it's the it's a war on drugs. It's a war on drugs. Just you know. Yeah. It's that uncompromising the war on drugs, which leads into the eighties anyway, in which you know the war yeah. on drugs continues. Of course. Yeah. yeah, but I I thought uh, I mean I watched whatever version I had watched uh, had the line in and had. Yeah. the subsequent line also where the other where he is like never trust anyone which yeah. i think is is the sort of bigger point but his character in general and this leads this i mean we will maybe talk about this film extensively later on and amartya will join us for that 100% this kind of leads into taxi driver quite a bit like oh, yeah. the racism and the you know the yeah. the whole idea of this character being loath loathing of the things around Lo- him also Yeah, and himself a little bit, but here there's no introspection. This is not an introspective film. Uh, yeah, it's very much a procedural. There's like it's no time from. There's, there's no, no time, time for exactly. Exactly. There's no time for yeah. introspection. He yeah. edits it 
Itkin and I don't remember the editor. Uh, I have the name. Uh, one second. The name is Gerald B. Greenberg. Yeah, Gerald B. Greenberg edits this movie to such an extent that there is no time for any introspection. Mm. The only moments of introspection are the beginning of the chase scenes and that just shows the divide. One of mm. the best scenes of this movie I like is uh, mm. Popeye Doyle standing in the standing below a restaurant drinking a coffee and a pizza. Yes. It's juxtaposed with Sharnier who is having a grown yeah. breakfast with his right Yes. It's a and great scene. <laughs> that, that class divide is so well done. I was like, yeah. bravo. You don't and it's also done. Work. Yeah, exactly. It's done totally visually like again it's using the procedural to kind of comment on or like define their characters because that is how they are defined like the work yeah. defines them right rather than the they defining them. exactly they're defining think... themselves through their work the work exactly. yeah. yeah yeah and it's absolutely. like and then we get into the uh, the second chase scene which begins with a sniper shooting yes I, I, you know, I had seen this before, but I had somehow forgotten that that happened. And when it happened, I was genuinely like, I like jumped oh, yeah. up. I was like, what the hell? Like, I forgot that this happened in the film. Or the sniper also, shooting yeah. is also kind of like, I think that's what Pitkin literally does. You know, he shocks the audience suddenly yeah. because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a neighborhood. Suddenly a sniper comes out of nowhere and shoots you. Yeah, that's like yeah the lawlessness into... is also there, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's like you're making it into a war zone anyway. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. the chase occurs. And then mm. he takes the car. Mm. On the other side, the guy is on the subway. And then the chase occurs. The subway is going and the car is going below. Yes. And the insane bit is, in a movie like, I can't believe I'm doing these movies, up, but I'm sorry. Uh, Movies like Fast and Furious or oh, wow. movies like okay, any of the any of the yeah. movies like Need for Speed or any movies, yeah. there is an inclination by stunt stuntmen and directors that they will have to empty the road. So they will have yes. to shoot during the time when there mm. are no traffic. Yeah. William Friedkin doesn't <laughs> give a flying F. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. He's no, but it's, driving, yeah. He's driving the car in oncoming traffic. All the yeah. pollution that is happening, that is happening. By the that's way, that's a stunt person was there, right? Not Gene Hackman was not. No, that's not Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman yeah. is Gene Hackman is driving the car, which is uh, which is behind the behind. actual car. Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you get the feeling anyway because it's edited so rapidly. Oh, it's edited beautifully, also. Like it's not like yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. the train is happening simultaneously on the top. And yeah. the driver, I think, the train's driver is, I think, unconscious or something. And He falls, he becomes point. unconscious because the guy is also shooting people on the train. Like when, he's, yeah. like when he goes and shoots a couple of people and then there's like whole this whole chaotic feeling on the train. But, yeah. but I think what's most impressive about what you're saying is that the chaos also like feels geographically and everything very, yes. like there's a semblance, you know, it's not like, He's just doing this rapid cutting yeah, where, yeah. you know, it, like it just, it's, everything it's feels so like it's got a purpose. It's not so rapid. It's not so rapid that you completely forget the location of where you're at. It's like yeah. you are cognizant of where you're at. Yeah. This is New York City. This is Manhattan. <laughs> Absolutely. I think no, no, more, this this scene happens in Brooklyn also, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. 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 Manhattan, with I don't think he could have shot this. But, oh, yeah. Uh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <Manhattan> <laughs> <Jaganyoti>. <laughs> yes, but... 
anyway his the location but it's one of those things right where you say that the details sort of make what a movie is and this is kind of like the prime example of that in many senses like yeah. you like there are famous car chase scenes of course yeah. like uh, bullet ka car chase scene is impressive as hell the sense that's the one what, that was the reference point right i think that's the one he wanted yeah. to top i think uh, if yes. i'm not wrong yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a, it's an impressive chase sequence yeah the movie yeah. itself ain't that ain't that great but okay the chase sequence is yes. impressive as hell okay i think he topped it Okay. easy okay. it's impossible it's impossible not it's impossible how do you not top it i think he topped it so much he couldn't top it himself later on into yeah. living in la yeah, <laughs> yeah the insanity yeah the insanity of this scene is unparalleled how yeah. how can you top this i agree uh, i mean yeah, I, i the other factor actually i'll mention and which it's is a why big... when the pram which is why when the pram happens pram comes in the middle and he's like he's flinching you are flinching with him but i think that's i think i was noticing this more into live and die in la because i was less involved in the whole movie i was noticing how he like you know at key moments he'll switch to this pov of the character yeah, or you know yeah. when when something like dangerous is happening he like really puts the camera like near the hood or like you know it just yeah it's it feels like you you can like feel the impact when it's hitting something it's almost like you get that it's also jolt. because yeah it's also because uh, like i think i first noticed it in uh, night at the crossroads in 1931 i think mm-hmm. when you were when you're putting a camera at the you know uh, bonnet of the the, yes. the front of the car and you're just yeah. you know giving that point of view shot you yeah. are already immersing the audience anyway yeah yeah and the other thing can i mention one thing that really immerses me at least i don't know how much it's a bit yeah no score no score yeah no score get all the uh, like every crash and like every you know the hitting and the fuel of the car and everything you yes. the the gur and whatever sound effect i will have to put to emphasize this but like it's that's you the feeling of that action the scene police, is i think the foley sound the exactly sound. the foley yeah. yes absolutely yeah. you I, but i i was reading that he edited the thing to music this action sequence yeah. uh the the train train sequence but he then removed all the music off from it just to emphasize yeah. just to uh, emphasize the realism of yep yeah yep. and it works it works absolutely. it completely yeah. works yeah yeah and i agree yeah i think i think the, the chase scene is so good there is a there is a risk that it overpowers the whole movie but i yeah. genuinely believe that the movie itself is so you know raw about it that yeah even when he's shooting the sniper or even when mm. the case finally rejoins or it doesn't yeah. happen the ending is also kind of oh it's very good complicit. yeah it's really good ending there's also another chaotic shootout in some senses followed yeah, yeah. by a a almost horror yeah uh, sequence inside like this dilapidated dilapidated yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this totally wrecked sort of uh, mm-hmm. junkyard which is where all these th- like the whole film i think is set like under bridges and under yes. like you know these junkyards where there's like all this shady dealing between drugs is sort of happening and how everything is going down and he sets most of them in these locations and the ending is such a gut punch like it's yes. such a It, like ends again, shoot, it, it ends with a shootout. It ends with a shootout. Not we don't see it. Yeah. And I think just the fact that if we did, if I did not know that a sequel exists, 
if i yeah. did not know I'm, that i'm curious movie. about that i've not seen any frankenheimer film been, but frankenheimer uh, frankenheimer is a fantastic vis- vis- visceral director like the okay, trade is yeah you were uh, you saying yes yes and he directed it right he directed and it's a direct con- continuation of this yeah yeah it's uh, a direct continuation so gene it's hackman is in it gene hackman is in it yeah yeah okay, okay. and roy schneider and roy schneider also okay. i don't think so but okay. he's gene hackman's character is in france he's chasing oh france. he's chasing sharni okay okay yeah 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 okay got it it's the same thing it's a direct continuation go so, okay it was impressive it's it's very confusing to me why pitkin did not choose to direct or maybe because the sequel point of it is i think at that time the sequel thing for most filmmakers wasn't exactly a very hmm. he he never directed a sequel right so yeah, maybe he, he was just averse to them i mean he remade quote and quote remade something so but whatever it, yeah yeah you whatever, balance yeah, it out whatever yeah, yeah. but one of the other things last things i'll mention before we move on to sorcerer and that it'll also join in and you say if it, there's other stuff also of course but one of the things that i loved and which i think is one of the things that was consistent actually with a lot of the films i watched recent of his uh, now also was just procedural details i was like yeah yeah steak, that's your stakeouts yeah. of course are there in this but in that also the character interactions are pretty condensed like you don't mm. like like i didn't ever feel it was a buddy cop It's movie. not an exposition heavy or a body cop movie yep. or anything like that. No, yep. none of yep. that. Like I, Just, they are like the Roy Scheider character is supportive of Gene Hackman in one or two scenes. He just says it, but like it's not like. But it's, it's like they are work. They are work yep. partners. They are not yep. like buddies. Buddies, just yeah. Work partners. Absolutely, but like the two scenes that really stood out to me this time were one of one of is the salience of the drug testing that's happening, and oh, yeah. this. Friedkin like closes up on all this procedure of like you know putting the like the temperature and like yeah, making yeah, yeah. like the mercury of the thing is rising and he mm-hmm. like totally closes up on it and you get like this almost more wonderful montage of you know mm-hmm. being involved he's, in this again he's thing. very detail oriented and he's interested yep. in the details and he's you know. choosing to put in the details in the films that's yeah. what gives it the realism right i think this is what i was asking you right if, if this is a freaking thing because in the exorcist i remember there's this one scene where he's totally focused on how the machines yeah. in a yeah, in yeah. a room this is a freaking thing okay got it yeah. this is a freaking thing because it is also there in to live and die in la remember the money money the money, money. one of my favorite scenes of the film actually but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently one... that apparently that is so detail oriented that Secret Service actually thought that they were printing money. Yes, yes, yes. I know. I know. I was reading. Uh, yeah. The other one I'll just and... mention before we move on is the car dismantling, which I thought was oh, a yeah. proper action scene in in its own respect. I was like, this is amazing. I'm like, yeah. who will take the time to actually show the whole car being dismantled and like you know the process of it and how that it also has a huge revelation, but it's. Yeah. done in a way which is so uh, methodical i was like give me more of this please now <laughs> like i'm dying for this sort of stuff you know uh, the movie you know the movie which kind of had that soda hmm? not too much soda fast which one i don't remember it now but yes i i remember that being one of the one one of the few fast and furious movies i really liked yeah. so yeah those but, movies at least had some semblance of realism before <laughs> not getting shot up in space yeah, yes. before completely losing the shark and getting shot up in space yeah <laughs> what a note to end our discussion on the french connection 
yes move into course. space which Which the audience went sense. to the audience yes. went to space in 1977 yes. rather yes. than going to rather than going to <laughs> yes rather than going to friedkin's remake of wages of fear four men condemned by their past robbed of their future trapped in a life that was also a death four men take an incredible chance face an impossible challenge and risk the only thing they have left to lose is it a remake that's the other question right that's he denies it he denies it yeah mm-hmm. I don't think so. Then again, I mm. really need to watch Wages of Fear to understand. But mm. uh, I think uh, one of the criticisms of Sorcerer, I think, to a nearly flawless movie, mm. is the beginning, which is so disconnected. I feel from the mm. from everything else. Mm-hmm. I understand. I completely understood why he did it. He's introducing mm-hmm. the characters, right? Yeah. So this is this is something that doesn't happen in the Wages of Fear, and the Wages of Fear is directed by Henry George Clouseau, Clouseau if I'm not wrong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who is a big influence actually on Friedkin? Friedkin. Uh, like he, I think he cites Diabolique and uh, Wages of Fear as like very central influences for him. uh and wages of fear is a great film uh, i've seen it i saw it a while back but i remember like certain sequences from it it's but i do need to rewatch it because i think maybe for me sorcerer tops it uh yeah, but yeah. we will we will we will i'll have to rewatch it I, to like i, have I a think the only criti- i think the only criticism i have of sorcerer is the beginning sequence which was okay. the beginning beginning is so disconnected from the rest of the movie because hmm. there is literally a sharp cut After Roy yeah. Scheider's character goes to South, I love that sharp cut. By the way, I think it's yeah, a wonderful I, sharp cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I like that yeah. sharp cut, but it's like you understand entirely why the whole twenty-minute sequence is there. He's just yeah, it's a uh, so I think it's I, it's important to mention in, with respect to this that this is adapted essentially from a George's Arnold novel. So I think yeah. one of the things I noted actually this time was that Sorcerer feels very novelistic in a sense. Yeah, with yeah. The, especially with the opening prologue. and with the even with the whole section when before they are going to the um, going actually to deliver the uh, yeah, yeah. nitroglycerin whatever nitroglycerin, dynamite oh yeah i think it's got a i mean i appreciate it even though i sometimes like films which cut back a lot of stuff yeah. i i actually quite like the prologue i especially like no, no, the sequence like in the, the prologue. prologue but i think but i think uh, after watching the movie in its entirety i have yeah. i can make a case for removing the prologue of course entire. you can remove the pro- entire prologue definitely uh, yeah. i just think two of them are so direct and gritty yeah, yeah. and just i mean the section the terrorist where the, introduction the, the, terrorist? the terrorist introduction is absolute i was like what the <laughs> hell is this i was firstly again one of it had it had one of those existential moments for me right in the beginning because i was like wait a second i thought wages <laughs> yes. of fear was supposed to be in like one place together why are we jumping yeah. to four different locations i'm very yes. confused first sequence happens it's very direct hitman comes kills someone leaves yeah yeah the roy shider intro yeah yeah roy shider no no that's not roy shider no hit first is the 
Francisco Rabal Milo character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah Francisco yeah. Rabal. Yeah. yeah, he comes like he he again. Friedkin shows like him going up the elevator and coming down like in proper mm-hmm. detail, and it's like again detail, happens. again detail. detail. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the terrorist terrorist sequence happens with Amido, uh, Amida, yeah. the actor, and I was just like, uh, firstly the <laughs> way that he handles the explosion. Like, oh, yeah. ca- like it, ju- it feels like the whole freaking thing shaking itself. Like the whole shaking film itself. is shaking. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, sometimes, wow. Sometimes watching this? this, sometimes watching this 60s and 70s movies is like, man, you people were playing with literal fire. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Fire. It's like, uh, it's that whole thing, right? The whole, you can feel the spectacle. Like, yeah, you can, yeah. The you immersion can feel it. of it. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but I would argue definitely though that the, uh, Weaker parts of the prologues are the one with actually Roy Scheider and Bruno Kremer, yeah. especially yeah. the Bruno Kremer for me because yeah. it it sort of dovetails into a slightly aristocratic, almost like a French. Yeah. You get like a he is French in the film, uh, mm-hmm. but you get a like a he's the person who commits bank fraud. I think bank fraud. Uh, yeah. yeah, and that's the section. I think he over eggs a little bit. I was like, you can. Like you condense can it. Condense it just a yeah. tad bit. Yeah. And the Roy Shadow one is a like it's a juxtaposition of like ju- a, it's Godfather yeah, kind yeah, yeah. essentially yeah, yeah. baptism and exactly. water is being, exactly. being, yeah, yeah. being uh whatever equated. And I was like, okay, I get it, but but then the and hard cut the typical, happens. He's the typical yeah. American protagonist. But then yeah. the hard cut happens, and from that it's flawless. Yeah, it's I mean it's something flawless. else. I uh, I have one minor problem, I'll mention it later when we are talking about the other part, but Anyways, I this time I watched it. I was like, "This is just so bloody good." So uh, bloody good, and I'm like, yeah. that entire bridge sequence. Yeah. I there's like two bridge sequences even, uh, or yeah, three yeah, yeah. almost now. I think three. about it. Yeah, I think yeah. two. I think two major ones. So yeah. I think I understand that, which is the third one. You are third one is the beginning one. I think the yeah, one yeah, where yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. that that is the only sequence that reminded me of Wages of Fear. The okay. first that because that's the only thing that sort of resembled. Otherwise, the whole uh, thing which happens in like downpour of rain and everything, oh, yeah. where that's the famous sequence, right? That's the whole. Uh, that's yeah. the sequence like, that they shot remember, somewhere else, not in like actual. I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. Tarantino saying. I remember Tarantino saying. You know, I'm thinking my movie is not working. This thing is not happening. This thing <laughs> oh, yeah. is not happening. I get all of it. Everything is fine. You know what? I'm still okay. I'm not William Friedkin shooting the shooting fucking sorcerer in yeah, Central yeah. America in a truck yeah. in pouring storm. Absolutely. I mean, I was like this time. I was thinking it is his apocalypse now, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, both in terms of a little bit of narrative, also, but even in terms of production hell. and yeah, just yeah. Uh, it's his most. I think one of his most expensive films, or maybe his yeah. most. I, yeah. I. Uh, I what I remember is like that entire bridge sequence in which the truck is actually stuck. You know, the yes. you can't move a muscle or something. That happens like with that two, but with two of the trucks though. So that, I'm yeah, thinking, yeah. which one do you remember more? So there's I the saucer truck, and then the there's saucer, the. No, I'm talking about the saucer truck. Okay, I'm okay, talking about yeah. the saucer truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so the. Uh, the in the making of it, there is mm. hydraulics attached below the truck. Okay, okay. so yeah. the shooting is not done in one take. The shooting is done multiple times. Yes, and yeah. each time the truck falls into the water. Damn. Says that he was in one of the trucks which fell in the water. Why, man? 
<laughs> I am listening to that and I'm like, fucking hell. <laughs> no, it's crazy only, right? And but but it's I I of course, it's always a bit weird to like promote these methods also because then it's a form of mania and of course it can result a in a lot it's, of. It's a mania because uh, because uh, Pitkin is uh, Pitkin, I think, is very much like that with his actors also. Yeah, yeah, he did some. He served, he did some very outrageous stuff with Ellen Burstyn, right? In uh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is where he like shot guns on the sets to like unnerve her or something. Yeah, or maybe it was her, her or someone else. But I was like, I can't like in good conscience promote that. But I'm yeah. also saying that when the effect of that on a viewer mm-hmm. or whatever he did is mm-hmm. is there. Like I can't deny that also, right? I can't right, deny so. that, but it's like that's not exactly good behavior, you know. Then it's it like, isn't, of course. In kill in killer Joe, if I'm not mistaken, Gina Garshan was treated horribly in, on set, but okay. offset, yeah, but offset, Pekin was like offset. It was like, honey, I love you. It's for the effect of the movie, and we are like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's the sort of tricky line you have to then. Uh, we will talk to talk about killer Joe when we get there. Uh, and, but, but yeah, no, no. I think ahead, I yeah. think uh, I think Pitkin. Another thing Pitkin does, I think more than procedure. I think Pitkin is very good at capturing reaction shots. Hmm, that's true. Yeah, because you can understand like all these characters. They are like contemplating how they are here, why they are here, what they yeah. are doing. Yeah. And more than the dialogues is the faces, right? How yeah. he's focusing on the faces. How this is another another of his, absolutely another one of his films in which actually character dynamics themselves are pretty much undermined. I feel yes, like yes. people don't. These aren't people who like bond over uh, their journey. In yeah. fact, I'd say this is it's almost a cruel and very a mean spirited move that when one one when characters actually begin to bond they actually tie i don't they know what he's implying yeah. with that but like like i was yeah, noticing yeah. i was like this is like really cynical in in its sort of you know i think uh, i think it's more like i think he's treating it like a war zone right yeah absolutely he's kind of like treated like a war zone so yeah. like, that's what it, he's doing anyway it's kind it's of like, like the worst phases of yeah, yeah. Kind of like a noted with Dunkirk anyway, right? Mm. Like war is hell. No time to, no time to, you know, espouse yeah. or say something. Yeah. So yeah. All that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is our, uh, this is our gather to influence speaking about yes, the this is our to is, essentially. Yes. Which is border. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, but uh, no, no. Yeah, so so yeah, go ahead. I think if you remove that prologue sequence, this movie would have been a five out of five. That prologue mm. sequence, I understand the necessity. It's shot extremely well, mm. but you can remove that prologue sequence. But again, yeah. it's Pitkin. Pitkin is in the details. But it's I'd all rather the details. You know, this is what I was thinking. I'd rather he. I'm glad he did that over. You know, going to Latin America and then flashing back to all of them, which is my. Uh, knowing Pitkin, knowing Pitkin, I don't think he would have done a flashback. At all. He would have just omitted it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this was one of the things which he added because it was a bigger budget, and he wanted to make it a little more expensive. He wanted to make it a little more expensive. And it also, I, and I know there are limitations to that approach, but I feel in that sense it also separates itself a fair bit from Wages of Fear, which is very yeah. centrally located in one sense. Mm. But I, you know, this time I was watching Sorcerer, and again, I realized that we never like clarified what the film exactly is about. 
it's basically about four men caught up in like a horrible from different backgrounds stranded in like a poor south american village where uh, they choose like a high risk high reward mission essentially of transporting yeah, cargo transporting nitroglycerin uh, to a yes. to a well to a well exploding area yeah i i don't really get what why they are transporting nitroglycerin to a oil rig which is already exploded like i don't get what like i maybe i missed why no, they are no, doing think, that i think it's because i think it's because it would have to be transported anyway the explosives needed okay. to be transported anyway because okay. you needed to explode that well oil rig area anyway sure I think, okay i think uh, i think the amount of explosives which are required to destroy that oil rig i think that was government sanction and government did not sanction anymore but okay. they needed to destroy it so this thing was illegal sure sure got it no yeah. so i mean i was i mean again it's not one of those it's things which is really that, that important, important. Yeah, so it's so i was like whatever but i was like kind of watching it for the second time so i was wondering oh wait i don't whatever yeah. doesn't matter my, the point was it actually was that, doesn't matter it actually no, no, it doesn't, doesn't matter but i was the movie, by the end of the movie when it is like you know Uh, dissolving and focusing yes. on uh, Shider's face Shider's and face, the darkness yeah. and darkness when the stuff yes, is going yes. finally. Yeah. By that point, you are with the character existential yeah. crisis overload and it's like, absolutely. No, no, absolutely. Uh, but I, I think this time I was most uh, at least noticed the second section of the film much more. You know, before the journey yeah. happens, I was like, it's a pretty scathing. indictment of the your american mnc sort of you know being situated yeah, yeah. there and like the whole exploitation of uh, labor that's happening mm-hmm. so one thing i'll i'll mention it's not a negative per se but it's always something that lingers in my head with these things is like in most of his films of which your ones we saw at least tritkin has this knack of uh, making well he makes narratives that critique a lot of the things that americans do but then his films are also slightly like the background they also background a little bit of the people who are being uh, you know mm-hmm. uh backgrounded if that makes sense yeah. so mm-hmm. i mean in in this also i was like i get it like i mean this is also much more of a multi national lingual sort of thing because they you have different uh, characters from different walks of life and different regions coming into play but the south american people themselves sort of get a little backgrounded like i again that's not a breaking point for me but i understand why some people can sort of you know argue about it anyways i, I was think, yeah. i think one of that was one of the central criticisms of uh, cruising even right uh, acha okay the al pacino yeah, playing the yeah, yes. yeah 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 okay okay like like we haven't seen cruising let's put it yes, out there we, we have, haven't yeah. both None of us have seen. The 1980s movie, right? 1980s. Yeah, 1980s movie. But yeah. Friedkin explicitly states that the movie he wanted to make a crime thriller in the backdrop of the S and M clubs. Yeah. In, in the New backdrop York, of the. Yeah, in New York. Yeah, yeah in New mm-hmm. York. S and M clubs in New York, and mm-hmm. while that doesn't completely, while that doesn't completely encompass the entire queer, you know, people of. Yeah. of the city or whatever yeah the movie faced an enormous amount of backlash hmm. because of the violence okay because of the violence being shown and because and i think this is a fair criticism i think cruising fair criticism because cruising takes place as a murder mystery but cruising doesn't have any commentary on it hmm interesting okay cruising doesn't have any commentary on 
homosexuality or mm. queer relationships or anything mm-hmm. of that sort mm. even though it is taking place in that context even mm. though he completely so it's like a window dressing sort of it's yes, like a window yes. dressing okay okay Understood. even though he completely utilizes the controversy Okay. No, so I yeah, de- so definitely it's not window dressing in this or French connection. Uh, like yes. the racist racism angle in that is definitely not window dressing, and neither is the life they like the Latin American people. And because these people, these four people who we are introduced to in the prologue, become very central, uh, mm-hmm. in uh, in Latin America, and they become sort of a little bit like these people in terms of being exploited workers. Uh. Mm-hmm. you kind of get more of a it's now it's never it didn't doesn't feel like window dressing to me at least like the cynicism the rot the you know the exploitative edge is sort of the point in many senses of of both these yeah. films at least so yeah but again the, once yeah, yeah good no no you continue then i'm confused no no just i mean after like that whole section happens and i feel even there he undermines i think i think as a this is a good thing he undermines a lot of the you know building character relationships it said it's a lot of you know what is yeah. happening what is happening it's almost sociological like what is happening here mm-hmm. right and then these yeah. people just find a way uh, where they sort of volunteer to become these truck drivers and mm-hmm. uh, then the journey starts and then we get obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, obstacle. Yeah. it's an immersive experience like Nowadays, people call amusement park movies and everything. This ah, is kind yes. of like an amusement park, anyway. Especially the last last act is like full on. Uh, full on, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I think explaining the movie or I think talking about what happens in the movie is a moot moot point. All we can say yeah. is that watch the movie because immersing yourself in that movie is yeah. a separate thing altogether. It's absolutely. Just, I mean, you know, which. the truck both sequences for the french in- connection yeah both yes. for the french connection and sorcerer yeah i mean the truck sequence is incredible i i like i incredible. again the, the other sequence that's equally incredible for me is when they blow up the kaboa tree yeah yeah yeah, yeah it yeah, yeah. is sensationally directed okay. i was like holding my breath as much as you can because it's so methodical it's like every step you can totally every understand step. what the person is doing to blow up that cupboard uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you watch him do everything you see like, that you see that at your anger at how to blow up a pipeline because i yeah, i was about to not bring that up because i wanted to be nice but uh, yeah. yeah both you and i don't like that movie <laughs> yes i mean yes. you put that in front of this and you're just like what is what what like, ever what is what is <laughs> That's the Hollywood sanitized version, which is weird to say about yes. how to blow up your pipe. Which is weird to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, Then I mean the the, the journey sequence. I think is fantastic. Like the whole journey through the. I mean mm-hmm. the when he brings the carton to the the shot of him bringing the carton of dynamite to oh, the yeah. oil rig and him collapsing itself is like I was like itself is like yeah yeah. Like then, don't blast right there. You you yeah. know for a fact that it won't because yeah. still a lot of movies then. But you're yeah. already immersed in it. And uh, again, but, it's yeah. details. Again, it's details. Mm. Pitkin is always in the. Yeah. Pitkin is always interested in details. That's how yeah. he immerses. Absolutely, me. absolutely. And what do you think of the epilogue before we move on? I don't mind it. Okay, I, I like it quite it. a bit. I like it yeah, quite I a don't bit. Mind it's. It. proper cynical though like really 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 cynical like if you want like heart of darkness i mean this is like <laughs> whatever you want 
and it's actually I I noticed it's the same. It's a wonderful. Roy Scheider gets. I think one of the my minor weaknesses of the film was that I actually think when it chooses to indulge in his psychology, it mm. feels a little underserved because I think the film is operating much more at a distance, right? Yeah. yeah But yeah. he gets a wonderful scene. Final scene with a lady at the bar in uh, Porvenir, <laughs> where yeah. he has a dance with her, like, and it's yeah. this wonderful music that's playing, and then Friedkin pulls back, pulls, pulls back, back yeah. pulls back, pulls back. We reach like the exterior, the music's drowned out, and it's replaced by Transient Dreams' incredible score, and it's also like fantastic, uh, also yeah. fantastic score, electronic score, right? I think yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so it gets replaced with that, and then it's just like. you know what's happening and it's like yes. done <laughs> we are done done uh, we are done we exactly. are done and it's like and you see that and you're like fucking hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's basically like it's one of those really like if french connection was cynical if you thought that is cynical then this is like uh, this is like, like upgraded version of cynical i feel yeah so i would like to transition by saying from the sublime to the worst But it's not I, the worst. No, no, I no. Mean, worst, worst, not worst. I know what the worst is from whatever I've seen at least. Uh, but oh, there are uh, bad. Oh, there are bad movies. I've not seen the really bad ones, but I know which one of them is really bad, which I've seen, <laughs> which you've just seen. Uh, uh, oh yeah. No, but uh, but I don't know if we want to count that as a movie. Movie actually, it's like a featured of like extra feature almost. But anyways, I am going to say we will shift from. Uh, the condensed or like whatever contained settings of french connection and a uh, sorcerer second half of course yeah. to the sprawling setting of la which i think is yeah. the problem with to live and die in la फ्रेंच कनेक्शन and mm-hmm. he's putting it into live and die in it eh? because all yeah. the details are there right the yes, absolutely mm-hmm. counterfeiting all of those details it's parallel paralleling the criminal and the cop sort of cop yeah, cop yeah. i mean he's not even a he's like a hot shot cop right that's the whole thing he's quote and quote yeah. a hot shot cop yeah yeah but then yeah. but then suddenly it's like it's like uh, meandering it's 80s yeah. music uh, dance score all that I mean, I I hesitate to say it's nonsense because people love mm-hmm. that shit. But no, I'm no, like, I know a lot of people really love to live and die in LA. So I don't want to like dismiss it at all. I just think I when I watched it, I was I was really excited to watch it, right? Because I had not seen it before. Yeah. And I just couldn't get with it. Like I just couldn't connect with it at one at any level. I was just like, and it began. No, it began, and I was like, okay, this is my sort of. I can get it. Like I I get you're doing the French connection thing in LA, but. Yeah. it get, it goes into such weird details and it has like this really strange gay subtext which i'm like oh yeah yeah homoerotic subtext yeah i'm Go like 
why why does this feel like i've come to top gun like the old one uh, which is like, also an 80s film so i guess yeah yeah and i think and i think here's the problem with here's the problem with cool even die in la which is the french connection the main difference mm. it's also another problem i would like to call the star trek problem the star okay. trek problem is star trek is basically people who are extremely good at their jobs or extremely proficient at their jobs trying to solve a problem but mm. coming up against people who are also good at their jobs and also mm. yeah. extremely good and thus the tussle comes between two proficient proficient yeah. sides yeah the problem with two live and die in la is yeah both of the sides are complete idiots and that's the point i guess but yes the movie is the movie is the movie is a statement about entropy <laughs> the movie yes. is a statement about chaos yes my problem is i know for a fact that the plotting is stupid <laughs> i, I know... don't there's giant holes in like yes. character development and relationships here where i'm like character development nahi ho raha jump ho raha i'm like where what how i don't understand i don't know and william friedkin wrote this with gerald pietovich who wrote the novel from which it's adapted and i was like wait a second are you trying to comment on this whole thing being a facade but if it is a comment i don't really feel it like having any sort of impact other than going like yeah fine uh yeah yeah I, i'm like Yeah, like it's fine. Like you're doing the cynical version of it, okay. But I saw that in French Connection, and I felt it in French yeah. Connection. Here I'm seeing it rather than being like immersed in it. Though I will say there's a lot of good things in it, the film, which I Dafoe do admire. Dafoe is Dafoe is fantastic. Dafoe Dafoe is, is very good. Yeah, he's fantastic in this. I'm yeah. like, damn. Yeah, it's like. Was it one of his first films? Or... Well, one of his first breakout films. Breakout. Okay. Yeah. Well, his first breakout films, and he's he's fantastic in this. It's like he's underplaying the sadism. He's underplaying mm. all of the cruelty. Yeah, know? yeah. And again, the details, you know, the money printing and all of the it. fake money so, generating process is one of my favorite scenes. One of the favorite scenes. I've noted and actually I'm, three scenes only, which I like in the film. But I really the like other, them. So, <laughs> so other favorite scene, yeah, the other favorite is of course that freeway chase, which comes at the yeah. heels of a very stupid plot point. Yes. I, yes. Yeah. It's very stupid. I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm going with you, and then I get the chase scene. I'm like, oh, okay. So basically, you are doing. It's that. an excuse it's, to sort of like. It's an excuse uh, to do that. I'm like, yeah. Oh, it's a very good scene. Do, it's really well good. shot. It's yeah. really well shot. I'm like you are yeah. good at this, man. I'm uh, yeah. your video feed kid. Can't change yes. your thing now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the whole one up feeling was there, though. I was like, ah, oh, but yeah, you're trying to top one up French connection. You can't top it, right? It, that, yeah. that insanity is something else. I think he tried to top it when he, you know, flipped the car on the other side or the opposite side. Yes, the opposite side of the freeway, right? I think it's like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah opposite yeah. side of the freeway. But you can't put it like that because because during that exact moment the camera isn't in the front of the car so much rather yes. than it's sort of focusing on the reaction shot. So yeah. you are still not getting that enough feeling which you had in Absolutely. the French connection. Yeah. yeah, the other scene I'll mention and then you can it's continue. Still well it's then you still can well made. yeah yeah and I know because you like it more than I do. I was quite disconnected. Uh, so I what the other moment which I think I think it's. I mean, I appreciate it as an act of subversion. 
is uh, our protagonist is there 10 minutes earlier 10 minutes before the climax happens i was like okay i did not see that coming i was like uh, that's interesting Short yeah. Blast yep. uh, it was very interesting. I was like, okay, I kind of see I'm what like, you're doing here. I'm like, yeah. okay, nice choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's not sympathetic, of course. None, yeah. none of these people are but really sympathetic. Been, yeah, but he's been built up as the guy to follow, right? He, uh, he is yeah. the person, but then there's also Vukovic, which who becomes central somehow after. And I was like, but when was he ever central? Like, ever? Like, I was like, he just like swoops in and I'm like, if this is a comment, I am also not buying like the legitimacy of this comment because I can't buy him as this person who becomes this corrupted dude uh, yeah. by the end of the film. So, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going then on again, in this film. Then again, so. it's, the 80s, it's the 80s education of French selection. If you're corrupted, mm. you wear a black jacket and sunglasses and you're corrupt. Who yeah, and then I, 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 I'll, I'll just say let's just blame LA for this, <laughs> and be like, you know, because it's sprawling and you don't have like you know those cold buildings like which ops like obscure points of view and like cram these people together. It's like the film is going one place, then going another, and driving. This is your, this is my once over time in Hollywood <laughs> moment, I suppose. <laughs> Where I'm like, yeah, sure, again, drive along, like boy. Again, no, again, like I'm it. saying that this is mine, because you don't like it. I like that, but this one is, I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> you're it. like, you're like, oh, good on you, hang. And I'm like, <laughs> no, but there's weird moments with like these female characters also, where it's like, these guys are supposed to be macho and cool and whatever. It's supposed to be sexy. And I'm like, it's not fair. I mean, if it's supposed to be sexy, then aren't you like sexualizing it also? And I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't really care. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I, really don't care. I mean, and, one, uh, of, one of the films I noted I, actually as a comparison point was The Counselor, a film I detest. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I really dislike that film. And I've had discussions with a couple of people who really like it. And I still don't understand why people like it. This is a better film. This yeah, is, yeah, of course. Yeah, yes. I think an unfavorable comparison I am making with this movie is uh, Michael Mann's My- Manhunter. Manhunter is the other one I was reading about. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Manhunter. Yeah. In which William Peterson is playing, playing the, the main cop, right? Mm. Yeah. I think man uses him much more, much better, better than okay. Friedkin uses Peterson. Yeah. Sure, yeah. got it. Okay. Yeah, and and uh, also I think Friedkin is trying to be. I don't know when did Manander come out. Uh, one year later, I think there were. I think there were rumors or that man was dissatisfied by Friedkin essentially taking his aesthetic for Miami Vice. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miami yeah. Vice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think that it's was one very, of the I, I don't know, man. It feels very Michael Mann like some some instances. That's it's what I've heard heard or read. So all like it's like a, like I can just safely say William William Dafoe's character is very much a man protagonist because it's all like process oriented sort of like that. Yes. Oh yes, no, actually is. I but he also has very erratic things. No, in this film, like he's yes. an arsonist also in some yeah. senses. I'm like yeah, yeah. what? Why? But, I'm like I yeah I'm like why isn't like sure. See, this is the problem with, I think, a lot of these L.A. noirs and whatever sun-drenched ones where I'm like, whatever I say as why will be like, oh, that is it. That is the point. And I'm like, don't get yeah. it. Sorry. <laughs> this is the, the other film I was thinking about and that's much more of a surrealist film. This has some surrealism to it, but like not like that much. The other one is Under the Silver Lake. Which I'm like, 
don't like that one oh, uh, but i'm like whatever fine i will stick to my uh, david lynch uh, la version i suppose i like his version but it's no, okay i think i like to live and die in la much more than you but i can yeah. see the flaws i am not that yeah. much of a people love yeah. this movie I, yeah I yeah know. that's what i was reading i was reading through people's reviews i was like i and i didn't have that you know snarky oh really but it was more like oh i get it i'm just like don't vibe with this vibe i suppose so. I, i'm not vibing with this vibe either it's yeah. like too much soundtrack too much yeah. and i'm like yeah. somehow pekin is not able to you know but it's style with the 80s style but that's what i'm saying like it's that I don't really mind this whole like vibey drifting style but it's also messed with like a crime procedural right like it's yeah, yeah. and I'm like for a person mm, who is so detail oriented you mm. just coasting along on vibes is very it's, weird I was actually about to say one of the things we'll move on after this I don't want to like dump on it too much honestly uh but the one thing I was really disappointed by in to live and die in LA was this this lack of you know procedure and plan and order in terms of even scenes like there's moments in which you know i i always remember this scene where william defoe's character visits some guy to extract money from him or to blackmail mm. him or something and these two uh, investigators are sat up trying to be buddies in like a room or something like that in a church in a church or something right yeah, yeah. and and there's this weird thing where i was like why isn't there more tension like why isn't there this feeling that they are you know looking at this dude you know the tension between them probably getting to know that he's here he's reached he's they're trying to like you know catch him and i don't him... i don't i think it's also like peetkin's commentary on la because I when suppose. that thing happened when that thing happened the two investigators are sleeping something like that yeah 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 the two investigators are sleeping and then suddenly peterson's character suddenly wakes up and he's like what the fuck and yeah, like, yeah. yeah if this was popeye doyle or anybody else they would have been like Stop it immediately. <laughs> so yeah, I was about. To, I I mentioned. I wrote this only that I was like maybe I just vibe with a grittier, like you know, seventies style, whatever yeah, that Friedkin was doing there. Then, then, then this. Anyways, do what you do. Actually, I'm very curious to know what people think of To Live and Die in LA. If, I think if that's people anything. like it more than dislike it. To be very honest. Yeah, yeah, I know, but uh, I, yeah, I, know I, I want to people, know. What I they like. I have seen a lot of comments on uh, comments or where. Hmm. they are like some of them are like uh, yeah like we grew up watching it but we understand its flaws we still like it but you ah, okay 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 it. so it's it's one of those sort of things which you grew up uh, on yeah. and okay okay yeah. ah this yeah. seems like one of those movies that would play on tv a lot also right yeah they, uh, they did minus it, the whatever like yeah. some censorship and all that whatever oh yeah uh, there are also just to mention sentence. it's very weird because sorcerer is pg make sense of that whatever you will sorcerer is pg i don't know what to live in there and i'm guessing to live in there is r rated uh, it's r rated pretty sure but sorcerer being pg i mean if a child sees this they're going to be horrified <laughs> they show literally like a dead crumbling body in one scene i was like what <laughs> i mean you've gone from that to then making like killers who nc17 which i understand but like uh whatever then we again, will talk about that again, later then again i now understand by temple of doom comes and then we have a pg for the <laughs> so imagine sorcerer being pg like wow okay people anyways, don't understand only kids will fall asleep after what kids will fall asleep while watching after the prologue 
which i think are very interesting uh, both are very interesting films because they are yeah. also one of the few times he's actually collaborated consistently with a with director, somebody yeah. with someone right like i think he's one of the few directors actually i've seen like you know whenever we covered like nolan recently right and we yeah. see like these collaborations with people lasting for so long yeah here you have like him making films with different people different composers different dops different editors all the time different actors also and yeah. uh, this has slightly overlap while well, main overlaps it has with writer tracy let's and editor dave darren navarro i think yeah. that's the only think, uh, thing consistent yeah, between i think uh, i think a uh, couple of things we have to state the movies which we aren't covering like yes uh, go ahead 90s like, stuff essentially a lot 90s and, stuff and some of the 80s yeah some yeah. of the 80s like rampage i think rampage hmm. Rampage, which stars Michael Bean, I think, is mm-hmm. uh, very much a serial killer movie in which courtroom sure. drama in which uh, psychology of the serial killer is being. Sure, is this so? I yeah, I think one of the things I'll also mention b- before we sort of transition fully is he directed a lot of plays. Yeah, right? he directed also... opera. He oh, directed did, opera. did he? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He directed. He tell. He directed opera. He directed Ada and another opera. I think. Okay. It? Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, sorry. I I was mentioning how he adapted. Sorry, a lot of plays into plays. films also, right? Yeah. You saw Twelve Angry Men, Kareem. Oh yeah, also. in a team. Yeah, yeah. 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 I I was right? I was getting into that. That is the only nineties yeah. thing I saw. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. In the nineties, he made The Guardian, which I haven't seen. Uh, I'm curious. Chips. I'll be very honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blue Chips is apparently a sports movie, a baseball sports movie. Sure. Apparently, it's quite good. Nick Nolte okay. is in it. uh jade is i have heard <laughs> consistently that jade is one of the crappiest book crappiest neo noirs ever made sure. because the again i'm very curious yeah very curious though <laughs> still very curious it, because the screenplay doesn't make any goddamn sense and yeah. uh 12 angry men the tv hmm. adaptation which hbo makes uh, uh i think uh, this 12 angry men is not as cinematic as sydney lumet's one because obviously mm. but i think what friedkin does here is his casting is very multicultural there are mm. black people there's a latino there's a hispanic person mm-hmm. and the main case which is occurring is also you know involved in the hispanic hatred which okay. was a big thing towards the 90s mm-hmm. during the 90s so mm-hmm. that's how they did it but uh, weirdly enough in 12 angry men the uh, uh henry fonda and lee jacob characters are played mm. by jack lemon and george c scott 
I saw and, the casting and I was like, wow, that's some that's whatever. That's a late leader casting ever. <laughs> like, why Jack Lemmon and George C. Scott of all people? <laughs> yeah, weird. Yeah. But it's but very, it's, very, it's okay. very well done. It's, it's, okay. just, it's just very well done. It's, yeah. uh, it has flaws, obviously. obviously yeah. Yeah. And uh, and uh, James Gandolfini uses an Italian accent, and he every time I watch that, I'm like, this is like Tony Soprano before before the Sopranos. <laughs> I'm going to say this belongs in the Sopranos continuity, mm. and Tony Soprano became a member of the jury, which is again weird. <laughs> but yeah, and his character yeah. actually works at a construction as a construction worker, and I'm like, this is definitely Tony Soprano. So you're basically <laughs> connecting these two properly. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I want to. I'm very interested to watch uh, his Twelve Angry Men conversion. It's uh, curious. It's not uh, bad. I, honestly, it's mm. not bad. I think it's very well done, and and I think uh, the bigot character mm. in the Twelve Angry Men uh, in mm. Friedkin's version is a very interesting one. Okay. I won't spoil. The bigot character mm. is very interesting. You wouldn't expect okay. that character to be the bigot character. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, interesting. So, Okay, very curious to watch that, but uh, and uh, we, the other yeah. movie which I had seen before we get into Bargain here is hmm. 2003's The Hunted. Which oh is, yeah, I've heard, I've read about this. Sorry, yeah, being uh, I've heard I've heard this championed as a quote-unquote orturious triumph, which is essentially meaning this is no no. I'll tell you this. This is the definition of auteur, which basically means that the script needs to be trash. And the director elevates it. Essentially, that's the definition of what you are being applied. Here's what I will describe the hunter as. Okay. Imagine Rambo. Okay. Except the main character is not Rambo. The villain okay. is Rambo. The main oh, wow. character is the main character is Colonel Trotman. You know the okay. guy who trained Rambo and is being mm-hmm. called by the United States Special Forces to bring Rambo down. Okay. That's but, literally what the okay. hunter is. Tommy okay. Jones is, you know the. Uh, guy who the forest ranger guy who trains U.S. special forces sure. to fight. Got yeah, it. sure. Yeah. Let's go yeah. ahead. <laughs> Let's go with it. <laughs> sure. No, but that's but I read that it's like script wise very like blah, and then Friedkin like directs it whatever with gusto and, and Benicio with whatever. Del Toro and Benicio Del Toro is best. I think. Sure. And Benicio Del Toro is best. Is that was that his gig for Sicario? Or like was the, like his like God not gig audition for Sicario, sorry. God knows, and I'm like, okay. and I'm like, I don't like Del Toro in that movie. And I'm like, okay, okay, got it. Okay. What are you doing? You are you are having a glazed look for somebody <laughs> who is suffering from PTSD. Your your version of PTSD is you have a glazed look. <laughs> and Tommy Lee Jones is essentially playing his fugitive character. He's good at it. It's mm. hilarious that Pete Kid is making him jump through fences and bridges oh, wow. and everything. Like actually you, jumping, not not yes. taken not taken jumping. Okay. No, no. I'm surprised Tommy Lee. I'm surprised Tommy Lee Jones even agreed. I've heard yeah. he's a very grumpy presence, right? Or like whatever. He's a bit. Apparently, yeah. in an interview, Pete Kid said that Tommy Lee Jones is a very professional actor who listens to what directors say and everything. Ah, okay. As compared to Al Pacino, who he, in his own words. I don't give a flying fucking donut what Al Pacino <laughs> thinks about losing. I mean, to be very honest, we can just like litter this episode with a lot of Friedkin interviews and like free, whatever Friedkin says because he's quite funny. Uh, like yes. especially he's because he's character. so because he's, he's also very like he's also like very honest, right? And like dismissive about stuff he doesn't like. Also, like well, I did a film with Nick Nolte. 
And what he does, what he did at that time, was he would write like a 300-page novel about his character and give it to the director to read. And I started to read this stuff. I thought, this is horrible. And I threw it away, and I see him the next, did you read that? Yeah, what do you think? Great. You were saying pared down, so we should go to something very pared down. Yeah. Yes. Listen, listen. If you want to know what is going on, you have to listen to me. You have to. Because you don't know the fucking enormity of what we're dealing with. So you watched this recently because I've been pestering. That's my, yes. uh, uh, whatever, bug. Uh, yes. Uh, thank you. Dad joke or whatever it is. But yeah, uh, I've been telling you about it uh, for a while, I think. Uh, not not that I've been forcing it, but I, I also saw it a while back. So I was also curious to rewatch it and see how it holds up, how it works and all that. And I was like, this is This is disturbing. something. Oh, yeah. This is uh, something. And I, we will talk spoilers, but we do want to, I do want to stress about the fact that please do watch it. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. Like it's not going to be appealing to everyone, but it's really severely underwatched, I think. And like underrated, it had issues with distribution. It premiered at Cannes, weirdly enough, and won the mm. Pesky Prize. I was yeah, like, yeah, wow. Like I was, Pesky, yeah, yeah, the Pesky yeah. Prize. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so it was like up- uploaded or whatever there, but no one like took it as like distribution, which I can kind of understand. It doesn't have commercial value. No, it's it a doesn't. pretty nasty film. Not as nasty as Killer Joe, but like still pretty nasty, I think. I, I, when it needs uh, to be. If you look at the early 2000s, uh, Friedkin directed a lot of television episodes like CSI. CSI, and, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And uh, I mean, CSI is pretty, you know, important if you think because William Peterson essentially mm. transitions in the 80s after these movies to CSI and becomes a long long stay. Mm. That is one of the reasons why you won't see much Peterson movies after the 90s because yeah. it becomes a mainstream. Mm-hmm. So, they had a lot of television. I genuinely think that he had trouble securing funding for his movies. Uh, yeah, because yeah, so, I think the whole reputation of Friedking is also, still is, uh, the whole that he is a 70s, 80s filmmaker and then now, later was whatever. Yeah, it was a downer like, of a phase or whatever. Like it was not yeah. as strong, good, whatever. But like he's not like yeah. he's not Scorsese, right? He's not yeah. Scorsese. Like every decade counter. Like, uh, yes, not yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, also, I don't know. Like, I think Exorcist is such a seminal film in some ways that it's like almost whatever he makes. Also, after that, that tag is never going to go away from him. Yeah, yeah. Neither yeah. the pro, neither the French connection, to be honest, in some ways. So, yeah, but, exactly. Anyways, but then but, he makes bug, but then he makes bug, and I'm like Jesus fucking Christ, yeah. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. This was like I think for people who were sort of Friedkin fans, I think I was listening to Kermode saying, you know, he still like champions a lot about bug, and I was like I can totally understand why you would champion something like. I mean, it's again one of those really full on, you know, doesn't paranoia doesn't have concessions to you know, like it doesn't hold back when it needs to not, like it like goes for it when it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens in Bug. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's I would just... Parano- it. It's full on yep. paranoia. It's like... Yep. Uh, it's completely... And like, Friedkin only... Friedkin is holding back throughout the movie. Yeah. <laughs> He's holding yep. back throughout the movie. He's letting yep. his actors play. And yep. the dialogue itself, there is a rhythm to the dialogues, right? Which yep. is very funny sometimes. It, it begins very like, you know, it has that sort of awkward... 
relationship yeah. almost thing like it's like yeah, yeah. these two characters so i'll tell you so it's a, a, about the film because i know it's the least probably known of a lot yeah. of freakin films it's about an unhinged war veteran who holds up with a lonely woman in a spooky oklahoma motel room i'm yes. taking this from imdb by the way the line between reality and delusion is blurred as they discover a bug infestation which has a pretty solid uh yes Uh, depiction of bug infestation bug infestation is putting it mildly <laughs> yes <laughs> like, yes yeah but uh, but yeah what did you think about you cuz you saw it recently i've seen it twice now uh, i like I don't, i don't want to say i liked it less the second time but i just think i i just saw different sides to it which i was more creeped out by the second time even i uh, think i think if we consider what pitkin is known for like the procedural side of everything mm-hmm. seeing pitkin devote all the procedural details towards a character deterioration yep that's very interesting to me yep he's like focusing how the characters are deteriorating so well like yep. uh, shannon's character is already unhinged yep very strange like the whole opening section so i i would say that the, so we'll spoil this but please do watch it yeah, yeah. uh you can find it online yes uh but Yeah, Shannon's performance in the first half is anyways a bit like it has that sort of you know awkwardness and like it's just like a bit off, which I I like. It just feels like are you putting on this as an act? Because I think there's descriptions of him as like a potential serial serial. Are you a serial killer? Are you someone yeah. who's like you know deserving? I was like, kind of gives me those vibes uh, a little bit. Uh, but but there's also an innocence. There's also yeah, like this yeah. really. Uh, Uh, almost a pure then, sense of yeah. thing to yeah i think the star performer is ashley judge she is i agree yeah so good in this so yeah. good in this uh i think both of their performances when they start you know when uh the delusion that there yeah. is a bug infestation yeah which slowly and steadily begins to grow and grow and grow and grow and yeah. then it becomes a shared delusion yeah i i am going to argue that mental health being shown here is very comic booky shared mm. delusion doesn't occur that way i get yeah. all of that i'm putting all yeah. of that out the only reason why it doesn't bother me is because the performances are so great yeah the performances are mm. intense it's intense mm. yeah. michael i mean shannon i think is... michael shannon though is definitely like i think his uh switch is mm. wilder than uh, the ashley judd one which is why i'm more disconcerted by the ashley judd one because her she like goes from being this lonely but you know she still like has yeah and to to just believing something which i mean the connections they make are incredible wild. like, like last uh, 20 minutes the connections are incredibly wild like, the connections they make and this verbally said and he like closes up on both of those actors and they are like going for it full on and i'm like very very uncomfortable i was like i can also see how people make these connections like you know just yeah. to make sense of well just loss make sense of something of their yeah, life also of loss yeah. or grief yeah yeah and and it's like that's what i'm saying like for a director who is very procedural oriented and not exactly yeah. prone to introspection yeah this is very mm. different this actually feels and which is i think one of the things which also key differentiation from killer jo i think he cares or maybe maybe lets also 
cares much quite More a bit about, about these, these, these two characters two than yeah. than he does in Killer Joe. Because in Killer yeah. Joe, I think most of the people are, except for one, yes, there's yes, one paper yes, I think yes, you yeah, you care yeah. about. But yes, yeah. Uh, in, in this Killer year, Joe, although sketches are desperate, but yeah. here he cares for them. Desperate here, they're desperate. I feel more than anything. Yeah, they're else, desperate. Like, you know? Yeah, they're desperate yeah. to belong to something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Which you know the like, weird the weird thing is. now watching it in like this uh what you also mentioned this i think it was the whole quarantine it could be a covid yeah, yeah, yeah. thing the isolation film. is the angle yeah. of it it's very pandemic it's very it can be very pandemic commentary also absolutely and uh, it's also a bug which you don't know anything about and you're getting yes exactly exactly, exactly but yeah. uh, but no it's also the government conspiratorial thing about being oh, yeah. under surveillance and being under like you know all When these paranoia 2007 right 2006 yeah ब्लरी like the whole conspiratorial side as much as it is a delusion there is an almost acute like believability to the delusion also right yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. like you can make these like weird bugs makes like bugs makes more sense now this movie yeah. makes more impact now yeah if you look yeah. if you watch this movie absolutely and it's produced yeah, by so lions gate studio <laughs> good job good job <laughs> uh yeah But, uh, good job well done <laughs> yeah. uh, the other thing i noted was there's a edipal connection which i think is there in killer joe a bit so i'm like uh, don't know tracy lex yeah. uh, maybe tracy that's lex. a running theme <laughs> i don't know about that but tracy lex is from oklahoma or i think there's a proper like so. depiction okay cuz i was like the oklahoma connection is there in both these films so i was like okay i kind of I was, I, by connection i mean he hates those places <laughs> like because both of them are totally despicable uh, in both these films so like killer joe is <laughs> what, what do you think of the sex scene which is uh, in this not in killer joe so okay. oh yeah that was when peekin is suddenly like let's lose yeah that's a centerpiece almost of the film right it's a bug infestation begins almost sort of like yeah that, yeah yeah with the, yeah, with the two characters yeah. Yeah. It's like and a proper like, like experimental montage. I was like, where yeah, is yeah. this going? Yeah, yeah, experimental montage. Where is this coming from? I was yeah. like, wow. Because the other film is very fairly talky, wider shots, and like you have two yeah, people yeah. where your stagey argument can be made. Stagey argument, yeah. Huh. Where the play to screen adaptation arguments can be made. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. though, I will say, I will say, Pitkin is one of the better directors who can, you know, transpose uh, uh, stage play into a movie Absolutely. or a television. I mean the whole uh, last twenty minutes, even though it's ve- very verbal and monologue, yeah. you don't get the feeling because it's so like you know. I mean the color of the room itself oh, is yeah. so like it's like blue, blue, blue that, like yeah, really yeah, yeah. bright, br- not bright, but like it's a it's a antiseptic blue, blue? antiseptic blue. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, blue, yeah, yeah, and I think that sort of really accentuates yeah. everything. And but yeah, please do watch Bug. It's uh, You'll yeah, feel yeah, horrible about after it, but like it's great to feel horrible after watching movies. So <laughs> that's that's uh, what I felt. From that, after from that lovely, from that lovely uh, ending, let's go to another movie which I felt really weird about. 
filthy filthy movie gnarly filthy disgusting disgusting but enthralling question mark when i open the door suddenly just there's this this huge fat man was on top of me screaming and kicking and clawing and and the thing was there was nobody else even there and he wasn't trying to hurt me he wanted me to help him why see he got into a fight with his girlfriend right she'd been having an affair so in order to teach her a lesson that's what he said teach her a lesson He doused his genitals with lighter fluid and he set them on fire. You believe that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's. Uh... I think it's enthralling in patches, definitely. Like I think some. I think sometimes I was like, so killer Joe. I don't is... think the script is. I don't think the killer Joe's the script is that strong as Bob's. Hmm. Okay, Agreed. 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 Yeah. But this is the more popular more, one, huh? After yeah, out of these two, of course. So. Yeah, his characters here are more entertaining. Yes. Ha! I But, felt the black comedy working as as a, like it was more blackly comic here, because mm-hmm. Bag I genuinely felt was a bit sad. Like I felt yeah. like the sadness sort of overtook over the you know blackly Bug comic elements. Tragic. Bug is yeah. tragic. Yeah. Killer Joe is not tragic. Yeah. It is for one person, but I think I don't think Friedkin or Letts are really that caring about these people. So they kind of Friedkin doesn't just... care. Friedkin or Letts doesn't care about any of them. Very Except for Doty, I think. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Disclaimer: Do not eat fried chicken after watching while watching. Yeah, this, this is a basically this. Is a, we kind of are ending a discussion a little bit on uh, almost uh, what's the film we you mentioned, man? I forgot which we talked about. Uh, in the realm of the in senses. the realm of the senses, the egg thing is basically the chicken thing here, essentially. Yes, essentially. But it's done to I feel even like at least in that it's like pleasurable for whoever whichever party is involved, I suppose. But here uh, it's here it's like uh, it's sadistic. No, it's sadistic. it is cruel. It's cruel. It, it's uh, and I as much as I like William Friedkin elongating sequences, as much as yeah. I like him building up tension, this is one of the few times I was like. Could could you have just diverted the camera away at those yeah. crucial moments? Right, I was like, it touches over into exploitative itself a little exactly. bit, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not sure if that is your intention, but it feels mm-hmm. a little bit like it sometimes, like yeah. you know. Because it's very cruel to its uh, well, most of us. And again, right. again, it's like Friedkin. I'm surprised at both Bog and this that Friedkin is so interested in characters here because mm. like McConaughey goes for it. Yeah, this was his comeback, right? Yeah, this was his comeback. This was the beginning of the McConaughey's basically. Yeah, yeah. McConaughey goes for this. He's like very, Bob very good, huh? It's got that. He's got this really like whisper, like his whisper, like a uh, hushed voice almost, but it's like yeah, yeah, really, yeah. really uh, like menacing. charged, menacing. Yeah, yeah. very menacing. Yeah. And he's yeah. going for this. I'm like, mm. yeah. yeah. And uh, hilariously, Thomas Eden Church is so funny in this movie. Yeah, I was like, like the ending. Like, I will just uh, spoilers, but in the ending, he's like putting, like, like uh, containing his son so that yeah. Joe can 
smash his head. I'm yeah. Like, okay, I guess this is going for bro- almost comedy. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> like, I don't know if I can buy it. But yeah, he's supposed to be the dumb guy, essentially. Yeah. Dumb white trash. Dumb That's white what... trash. Which yeah. is basically what this movie is like condemning. Like, white yeah. trash. Yeah. And entire white trash culture, I suppose. Yeah. And like, Texan, whatever. Texan, whatever. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's yeah. like Middle America, all that shit. Uh, yes. Like, okay. Clearly, yeah. you grew up there, Tracy. Let's because this type <laughs> of hatred is very specific. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, again, I, I, yeah. I genuinely think the black comedy would have been done better if this was a Coen's directed feature. I mm. think uh, Pitkin is more interested in the sadism of it than in the blacky comic section. That's true. I mean, I, in fact, one of the few things, I mean, the ending 20, 25 minutes are insanely tense. So I have to give it yeah, to him. It is that. very tense. It is yeah. very tense. That entire like, dinner, dinner sequence is very yeah. tense. Also Including the, the KFK. Yeah. fried chicken scene okay fry the scene, most uh, it's also the most play like sequence like yes. stage play like sequence that is also yeah. the most stage play like moment yeah. but it's very tense yeah and i think only Pitkin could have done that but again yeah. it's also very elongated and the ending ending on that note yes you know the gun almost a comedy and... note it was i was like i would have really preferred if you went like cynical serious in this because it would have yeah. worked much better yeah. but he goes comedy, I think, in the last one. Like, he goes comedy, and I'm like, not I sure. can't say it 100% worked, but I get what yeah. you're doing. I actually really like Juno Temple's performance, also. I thought she was very Juno good. Temple is very good. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't recognize her. I've yeah. not seen her much, I think, in other stuff. I've, I mean, I've seen her in Dark Knight Rises, but like. Ted Lasso. She's, oh, she's in Ted Lasso. Okay. 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 Yeah, she's one of the main characters in Ted. Sure. Okay. She's got a very. She plays the angel like. She well, she's not angelic, but like she she is the innocent one here. Innocent uh, one, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Who gets corrupted well quite early on in a in mm. another very elongated sequence with her. Very and elongated, very Matthew very McConaughey, much. right? Oh yeah. I actually thought the film would be much more about that sort of toxic, almost really corrupted relationship. And I was actually more into their dynamic than the whole fine uh, whole uh, Noir and Noir, noir family, which I mean, it's a bit like, I understand, but like, I was less into Emil Hirsch's character, I think, a little bit, uh, who's this Again, crap the son. Again, is a tad bit scatterbrained, to be very yeah. honest with you. I think uh, yeah. Pitkin's direction kind of holds it together, but mm. it's it's a very scatterbrained of a uh, Also, Also, what a, uh, I was very uh, surprised by like omissions in the film. Like, he doesn't show the murder. Uh, no. I was surprised. Yeah. Uh, I thought... I mean, I really like the thing, well, like is a, not a word to be associated, but I was very much enamored by the scene where he's like preparing the preparing to burn the body. And it's like, yeah. again, goes into his old detail-oriented thing where it's like, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. where he smokes yeah. something and he like covers her body covers with her that smoke. Yeah. Just so yeah. I'm like, okay, very okay. like unknowing. Yeah. yeah, and that was very old, old style, old school. Old school. Like, yeah. Okay. yeah, that is that is. This it's is a good looking film, film though. Like the whole, you know, he like focuses on this whole thunder ka thing and this yeah. rabbit dog who's like consistently barking. Those are very play touches, but like kind of worked for me. But like I was like, yeah. yeah. Those but also yeah. ground the place to a location, right? Which again yes, is a feature. Of course. Very location heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. 
Yes. So I think that we, if you should end on the note that don't have fried chicken after this. Don't have or fried during chicken. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, during or whatever while watching Jhulan. But you're looking. I'm looking forward to his uh, new film that's supposed to come. In... The Kane Mutiny adaptation. Yes. 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 Uh, premiering at Venice, stage. right? Yeah, another stage play into a movie, which, to be very honest, he's very good at. Mm. We have established that pretty well that he's one of these mm. few directors who can actually make a cinematic adaptation of a stage play. So yeah. let's see what does. And again, uh, I think. I mean, we always have, we always have David Gordon Green's Exorcist believer to be angry at, so whatever uh, it's called. Yeah, 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 whatever. And I'm like, yeah. oh man, and. Mm. <laughs> Uh, uh, to be very honest, after, while watching his filmography, all I can say is, uh, it's it's a loss. It's a huge loss. Of course, yes. He's yeah. gone because that's a voice. That's that's one very distinctive voice. Mm-hmm. Very seventies voice. Like yeah. if there is anybody who can, you know, encompass a decade, I think yeah. that's Peterkin. Yeah. To be very absolutely. Honest. Like uh, it's him and uh, Coppola. These hmm. two can they were the you, you know, American decade. They yeah. formed a company together in seventy in the seventies, which was very short lived, like a production company called Directors Something. But it it produced uh, the conversation, uh, Ford Coppola's conversation. But uh, I think it was very short lived. But anyways, but yeah, yeah I agree. I'm the whole... I'm not surprised that it's short lived. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's very combustible <laughs> as a character, right? So, I mean, Freed yeah, And Coppola isn't? Uh, I don't actually. So, I, I have watched Heart of Darkness, but I haven't, like, researched much into his uh, personal thingy. I'm too enamored by those four films, which we will sometimes get, sometime get to. Yeah, uh, yeah of the course. The 70s four. Uh, the streak of the, the golden streak that can never be matched, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Friedkin, uh, so Friedkin abruptly left the company. Yes. Like, yeah, because of course he did. <laughs> because of course he did. Yes, of course. But uh, like, you know the other thing I'm really interested in, I, which I was looking at, his interview with Fritz Lang. I'm really yeah. interested to watch that. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah It's a two-hour interview or something, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And apparently in that interview, Fritz Lang is like, my German movies are shite. And we okay. are like... Okay. All of them. M. All of them. M. Metropolis. They are like they are not good. My American movies are the movies which I'm more proud of because I had creative control over them. I'm like. That's such a weird thing to say, but okay. Okay, good. <laughs> this is goes to show you that directors goes to show you that directors sometimes don't know their own movies' legacy. But okay, then. Yeah. I mean, whatever wow. he feels. I mean, I, I know he, he. I know he probed uh, him a lot about how he left Germany, right? Because that's yeah, one yeah, story yeah. for the ages, sort of like that. Yeah. Uh, so. Then again, Friedkin himself in his interviews is very, very, very entertaining. Friedkin mm. Uncut is a very entertaining documentary. I will look for clips. I will attach one of them in this one. Uh, yeah, and uh, just to, his yeah. Al Pacino rant is something. Like, Jesus, <laughs> I think I did not like that guy. <laughs> you really did not like that guy. <laughs> No, no, but uh, yeah, like cruising itself is a very trouble product. Like I was telling mm. you, right? And today's text, like Friedkin apparently knew a button man of a mafia of a mm. mafia oh, yeah. who owned an SM who owned SNM New York clubs, and I'm like, of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not at all surprised that he did. <laughs> yeah. 
and tell us if yes. you like it because i'm very curious if, if i can get two three more people to really like bug i think i would have achieved something <laughs> or abuse me for recommending it to them but whatever it works whatever in part. yeah yeah it yes. works in parts yeah, yeah, yeah let's go so but yes please uh, if you want to follow amartya you can follow him at instagram uh, at amartya 25 25 yes yeah, follow me on letterbox yes. yeah 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 uh mm-hmm. and I, you you we i think you all know about this we we uh, and you can follow me if you want at terminal cinema we will put all the all of this in the description uh but yes thank you so much for listening and we will be coming back soon with some other comprehensive topic again yeah, uh, so yes thank you so much khatam i think audiences today are a bit more skittish you know they don't expect to be moved on that level they they don't expect to to be challenged or provoked i i don't imagine anyone you know sitting at at the average cgi 200 million dollar uh negative cost film uh, wants anything more out of it than to be entertained and and maybe see a bit of skin or something